Jewish audio on Chabad.org. Rambam, Mishneh Torah, Hilches Trumais, the law of the laws of Truma. Pedic Shvi, Chapter Seven. One of the central laws of Truma is that the Kohen must be pure, and the Truma must be pure when the Kohen consumes the Truma. If the Kohen is not in a state of ritual purity, he may not eat Truma. Not only he, but his wife, his family, anyone that eats as an extension of him must be pure. The same goes for the Truma. The Truma must be pure as well. Aleph 1, Kehen Tomei, a Kohen who is ritually impure, who becomes impure through one of the events which makes one impure. And we're going to talk some details. Osir Lechel Truma is forbidden to eat Truma. Whether this Truma is Bein Tmei or whether the Truma itself is defiled, you can argue and say the Kohen is defiled, the Truma is defiled, what's the problem? No. A impure or defiled Kohen may not eat even impure Truma. Bein Tahora, or whether the Truma is pure in any event, a Kohen who is not pure may not eat it. Shanemar, there is a specific verse covering this. The verse says, Ish, ish, mizera arein, every man from the seed of Aaron, vehu, and he is tsarua, leprous. And he brings down here in the notes, we all know that biblical leprosy is similar to modern day leprosy, but more of a spiritual disease rather than a skin disease. Azov, or an abnormal issue coming from the body. He brings down here in the notes, similar to modern-day gonorrhea, but different and more spiritual. If somebody has one of these two conditions, he may not eat anything holy. What is holy? What is the definition of holy? Something consumed by the seed of Aaron. Zechorim unikevus, male and female. What is consumed by the seed of Aaron, male and female? Because many things are only consumed by the males of Aaron. Heavy aimer, I would say zutruma. This verse refers to truma. Ela shekol tomei, anyone who's in a state of impurity. Ha'echal truma tahira, who eats pure truma. That is a major violation, going against Hashem's teachings. Chayav Misa Shamayim is liable to receive a death penalty from heaven. And therefore, as in the case from, of anyone who is liable to receive a death penalty from heaven, <coughs> if witnesses saw him and warned him and instructed him or her not to do that, and he says, or she says, I don't care. Lo care, there could be the application of lashes, which then, as we said earlier, exonerates them from the punishment of death from heaven. Shanamar, as it says, Vishomru, and they shall guard, as Mishmarti, my guard, and they shall not bear sin for him or upon him. So that is the law of a Kohen, male or female, 
who is in a state of impurity, eating pure tumah, eating, eating rather, I'm sorry, defiled truma. What if a defiled Kohen eats impure truma? Even though it's forbidden and the Kohen should not do it, there can never be any application of lashes. Because no matter what, the impure truma loses its state of sanctity. So although it is still forbidden to eat it, but we don't have the technical violation. I'm going to have a sip of tea here. Ein hatmeim beis. People who become defiled should not eichlim betruma consume truma. Ad sheyariv shimshon until their sun sets. And this is interesting. This is actually the material of the first Mishnah in the Mishnayos. When do we read the Shema at night? From the time the Kohen could go eat his Truma. A Kohen who becomes defiled goes to the mikvah, immerses in the mikvah during the daytime, but has to wait until the sun sets and until it gets dark. Until he or she can eat Truma. And that's what he says here in Bez. That ain hatmeim, a Kohen who was tome, may not eichlim eat betruma, the truma food, achiyariv shimshon, until their sun sets, which means on the day of their immersion, the eight sushleshekechavim and three stars come out. after sunset. And this is what we call stars out. Tseis hakochavim. That's when the Kohen may eat even though he went to the mikvah hours ago. Shenemar, actually there's a verse that says, Uvo Hashemesh, and the sun will set, Vitoir, and he will become pure. We interpret this to mean, The sun will set, and the sky must become pure, meaning cleansed from light. There should be no more light in the sky. And then and only then may he eat from the holy foods. So that's the law of a Kohen who was impure, who ate either from pure or impure truma. Now comes the law, what if Gimel, Kohen Toher, a pure Kohen, Sha'achal Trumot Meya, who consumed, who ate impure truma, Einaleke. Here there is no application of lashes. Because this negative commandment is derived from a positive commandment. Shenemar, as it says, and then and only then will he eat from the holy after he is in a state of purity. So the Torah teaches us that he may eat from something that is in a state of holiness when he becomes holy, meaning pure truma. But impure truma. He shall not eat, even though he, should become, he will become pure. So this is one of these phenomenon, negative commandments, deduced from a positive commandment. And therefore the application is that a negative commandment, which is deduced from a positive commandment, 
is always treated like a positive commandment. I say who, it is a positive commandment. And therefore, there cannot be lashes. Because lashes is only an application of a negative commandment. Dalid, one of the acts, one of the facts which bring a person into a state of impurity as it relates to consumption of truma is any type of seminal emission. Any type of seminal emission. No matter in what condition. It could be it just happens or it could be during an act of intimacy it makes no difference. That causes a person to become placed into a state of impurity and he, or in the case of a woman who engages in intimacy with a man and we'll learn soon the details of how this applies to her until he or she immerses in a mikvah and then the sun sets on that day. And therefore he says, Dalid, and here's a very interesting law, that the actual law which states that something that comes forth from the body of a person which makes them impure has to actually come forth. It has to actually leave the body. Until that item, whatever it is, whether it's blood or it's a seminal emission, whatever the condition is, until it leaves the body, it doesn't do any harm. And that's what he says in 4. If someone... A Kohen was engaged in eating truma, and suddenly he felt that his limbs began to shudder, and he felt that he was about to emit semen, and here he's eating truma, so he's going to be engaging in a violation, eating truma in a state of impurity. This is a very serious violation. So he can actually take hold of his organ and make sure that the semen does not come forth, the ejaculation does not happen, and swallow the truma, because as long as it did not leave the body, technically it doesn't cause impurity. And this is a very interesting technical law, which we're going to learn repeatedly in the laws of purity and impurity. Hey, being that... A seminal emission is such a serious form of making a person impure, and a person cannot return to purity until they immerse in a mikveh. And the sun sets. Well, in that case, when you have a deaf mute in a Kohen family, or you have someone who's not mentally stable in a Kohen family, then they cannot control when their seminal emissions occur. If you want them to eat truma, and that was actually the household food of a Kohen, was truma. And you would cause them to immerse in a mikveh, and then you would feed them truma, after the sunset. But you actually have to keep an eye on them, they should not fall asleep, because we can always assume that there was a seminal emission during sleep. Because if they fall asleep, especially in their condition of being deaf-mutes and uncommunicative or being not mentally mature, shem yishnu, if they fall asleep, tmeim, we have to assume that they're impure. There's only one other solution, and that is that they can create like a container, 
made out of copper, which does not absorb, Shema Yirukeri, and that will show any emission. Similar law in 6, Reichve Gemalim, those who ride camels without saddles, Asurim Lechel Batruma, are forbidden to eat Truma, Achiyitbalu, until they immerse in a mikveh, the Yad of Shimshim, and their sunsets, Shem Becheskes Tuma Bepneachimum, because of the heat generated by the camel back. They're always, we can assume, aroused, and there will always be semen coming forth, even in smaller amounts. Because constant riding on the skin, on a camelback, can bring forth a drop of semen, and when it comes to impurity, even a drop of semen is sufficient to place someone into a state of impurity. Now, what about a woman who engages in intimacy with a man, does she become impure due to the semen? So here we have an interesting law. And by the way, we find here an interesting factor that Torah law deals with all of these intimate subjects in very revealed ways. And because in Torah there are no secrets, we just have to apply, uh, approach this in a mature, responsible way. But in the Torah, everything is discussed. And that's the best education for, for children, is to learn it in the Mishnah, to learn it in the Halacha, to learn it in the Chumash. HaMashamesh Yasmitos, if a woman engages in intimacy with a man, we're not concerned with the semen within her, because that's within her body. We're concerned with the semen that comes forth out of her body. Because until it comes out, it's not something that makes him pure. So if she did not turn during intimacy, then we can assume that the semen never came out. She then can immerse in a mikvah and she can eat towards evening. But if the time of intimacy, she turned here and there, then we have to assume that the semen came forth. So, for, into the third day, the semen is still considered living, and the semen can still bring about impurity if it emerges from the body. So for the first three days following intimacy, this will cause her to become impure. Because it's impossible that she will not give forth semen. All of this will be explained in great detail. There's actually discussion here. So in that case, how did she immerse in a mikvah? Uh, one approach is, as long as she didn't move immediately, it's okay. The other approach is they took her and put her on a bed and immersed her in a mikvah in the bed without moving her. Anyway, this is only mentioned incidentally here because the main laws of these laws will come forth in the laws of purity and impurity. Ches eight trumas What about... Truma, which is separated in the diaspora, as we said earlier. This is a rabbinic decree. Hail and being that the mainstay of this obligation is rabbinic, because biblically it's only in Israel proper. Is only prohibited this rabbinic truma to a Kohen who actually has the impurity come upon him from his own body, not an external source. 
what kind of impurities come from the body of the person? Number one, seminal emissions. Vizovin and abnormal sexual emissions of a man, that which I said earlier, similar to a venereal disease. Vizovis, the same for a female, an abnormal emission similar to a venereal disease. Vinides, the normal feminine emission. Vyodes, a woman who gives birth. All of these are conditions emanating from the body of a person. And we learned about many of these conditions already. We will learn about these conditions. The Kulan Shetoblu and all of these, therefore, being that they came forth from the body of the person, once they immerse in a mikvah and the sun sets, or actually, I stand corrected, once they immerse in a mikvah, they may eat rabbinic truma, even though the sun did not set. Why? Because it's a rabbinic form of truma, which has a much more lenient application, even before the sun sets. Aval, however, is real, external, Sources of impurity. For example, if somebody touched a corpse. Now, everyone who knows basic Jewish teachings knows there's only one way to become pure from touching a corpse. And that is to have the red heifer ashes sprinkled upon the person on the third and seventh day. But nowadays, says the Rambam, we don't have that. There's no way of becoming purified from a state of impurity of a corpse. Therefore, in a case of rabbinic truma, it's not a problem to begin with. Or or having touched a corpse of a crawling animal, which brings about impurity, again, an external source. These conditions do not require someone to immerse to consume the truma of the diaspora because it's a rabbinic application. The fikah, therefore, it leads us to understand that kayin cotton, that a child kohen, shadayin leiroa keri, who never had a seminal emission, oktana, and a child female kohen, a little girl kohen, shadayin leiroa sadam nina, who never had a menstrual show, can regularly consume truma without checking because they never entered into the state where there could be a problem because this little boy or little girl are too young to have any of these conditions. Because we can safely assume that no impurity came forth from their bodies. What about someone who's leprous? This would be a, similar to a condition coming forth from the body. A leprous condition is also from the body of the leper. But who provided that? Leprosy must be declared leprosy. You need to have a Kohen who is a Kohen with a pedigree, meaning an established Kohen, who has to say, you are leprous, as we learn in the Chumash. But before the Kohen proclaims this person leprous, toil who is in a state of purity. There's an interesting law we learn in the Chumash, 
where the Chumash says, before the Kohen declares a house impure, the Kohen says, let's take the furniture out of the house. Okay, now that the furniture is out of the house, your house is impure. <laughs> it was impure before. No, it wasn't. Until the Kohen proclaims it impure, it's not impure. Now there's another application. And here we have a similarity to the consumption of the Paschal sacrifice. Kohen oro, an uncircumcised Kohen. Betruma is forbidden to eat truma. Midin teira by Torah law. Doesn't say. It sort of does say. Because it says the words, Toshav, the settler, Vesocher, and a hired hand should not eat truma because he's only a settler in his boss's house. He's only an employee. It says the same thing in the Paschal sacrifice. So we have the same verbiage. We all know that the expression of Toshav and Socher stated with the Paschal sacrifice, and we learned this because we earlier learned the detailed laws of the Paschal offering. Anybody, any male uncircumcised may not eat of it. So also the Toshav and the Socher, the settler and the employee stated by Truma. Anyone who is uncircumcised in the Kohanic household, in the household of the Kohen, may not eat truma. So it's a, a Torah law, not specified in the Torah. We learn from this Gezeder Shabbat, from this system of application of words. And what if the Kohen, who was uncircumcised, did eat? He can actually, under certain conditions, receive lashes biblically. What if someone extends the foreskin so that he appears to be uncircumcised, which was a common practice during the time when people would compete naked. Uh, Jews would want to look like the non-Jews, so they would extend the foreskin to appear uncircumcised. This person who did this, Kohen who did this, may eat rumba because the fact is, he is circumcised, even though he appears to be uncircumcised. Nevertheless, in this condition, by rabbinic law, he should best have a touch-up circumcision, be circumcised again, what we call a tune-up, until he also appears to be circumcised. What about the eleven on Neilad Mol, a man who was born circumcised? It happens sometimes. Eichel betruma, as long as he's circumcised, born or through a moil, he may eat truma. tumtum. What about a tumtum? As we've learned many times, the condition of a tumtum is a child whose genital area is covered by a mass of flesh, and thus his gender cannot be determined. So we're not sure if this is a male or a female. Eina Eichel may not eat if this child is a female, there's no problem. By Torah law, a female is considered circumcised. Isha kimalya damya. A woman is considered circumcised spiritually. A male is not considered circumcised until he's circumcised. This tumtum, perhaps this person is male, perhaps this person is female. The female side would be circumcised. The male would not be. And therefore, 
This person, this tumtum, cannot eat truma. The androgynous and androgynous, who has both conditions of male and female, mol, the eichel, can circumcise the male organ, and he can eat truma. Yud beis ha'oro, What if a kohen, a male kohen, is uncircumcised, or... What if a Kohen, a male Kohen, what if a Kohen is impure? Here's an interesting law. Even though they are forbidden to consume Truma because they are either, in case one, uncircumcised, or in case two, impure, but their wives, or their servants, or anyone else in their household who eats Truma as an extension of them, Eichlin could still eat Truma. Just because the husband is uncircumcised doesn't mean his wife can't eat truma. Just because the guy is uncircumcised doesn't mean his servants can't eat truma if they are truly his. They're not hired hands, but they're what we call abodim. Now we get into other laws, and we covered all of these laws in the laws of marriage. Psua daka uchrus shavcha. A Kohen who has either one of two conditions, either his testicles have been maimed or his organ has been damaged, which means that this person totally is unable to engage in reproduction. So in that case, there is a prohibition of this person by Torah law marrying. It says in the Chumash, Hashem. That a person with this condition should not enter into the congregation of God. It doesn't mean he shouldn't walk into a shul. It means he shouldn't marry. So therefore, if they do, this is a Kohen who did marry. Or this is a Kohen who has servants. Haim both day. and their slaves, their servants, Eichlin, can eat. They and their slaves can eat. However, their wives cannot eat. Why? Because the wife relationship is a forbidden relationship to this person. A forbidden relationship can't take on the rights of a Kohen. However, what if he was happily married and everything is fine, and then this condition occurred to him, and ever since then he never engaged in intimacy with his wife, in that case, he did not make her unfit. So they may continue to eat truma because they've done so before. Or if the person who has this condition of tzuadaka or chrushavcha did what the Torah prescribes. What does the Torah prescribe? That he marry a basgadim, he marry the descendant of converts. That is permitted to him. In that case, then being that he did what he's allowed to do and he married the Basgadim, the daughter of converts, so she may eat because she is a kosher wife to him. So why shouldn't she eat truma if he's a Kohen? Now we get into these very technical details, detail application of these laws. Psuadaka, what if a person? who has a coin, who has this condition of tzuadaka, the maimed testicles, shekidish baskeyen, where he consecrates the daughter of a coin. We learned earlier 
that consecration is the first step of marriage. It's betrothal. She may not eat truma as a result of this consecration because she is waiting to unite with a man to whom she's forbidden. When someone becomes a eunuch, which was brought about by natural means, it just happened, then who, he, his wife, his servants may eat. And that is different than someone who was castrated by man. Tumtum vandreganus, however, a tumtum we learned earlier, someone who has a concealed sex, or andreganus, an androgynous. Avdeim eichlin, there, slaves may eat, but not their wives. The slaves, because there is ownership, but the wives, because there is no state of marriage, biblically. Someone who is a deaf mute, someone who is mentally not mature, someone who is a minor, who purchased servants. There can't be purchase with these people because they're not mature enough to acquire and we will learn this in great detail in the laws of buying and selling and acquiring. They may not eat truma. Why? Because the purchasing was never a purchase. But if the courts effected the purchase, or the court-appointed guardians of the orphans effected the purchase, or it was an inheritance, then this is an effective reality. Then these servants may eat truma. Again, more technical stuff. Andreganus and androgynous, who is both male and female, Shanival. We learned earlier that an androgynous is neither female nor male by halacha, and both by halacha. Sometimes neither, sometimes both. Who had who engaged in intimacy. L'apostle minatruma to someone who will cause a kohen to become unfit and forbidden to eat truma. Bein derech whether this intimacy was through the male part of this person, bein derech or the female part of this person. Nifso milechal betruma. This person is now forbidden to eat truma. Kinoshim, just as any woman would have engaged with someone who would forbid her to eat truma. And his servants may not eat. So also, if what if this androgynous engaged in intimacy with another androgynous, who would cause someone to become unfit for truma? Nifso, then this person becomes unfit as well. Does not eat Does not cause his servants to eat. Assuming that the intercourse was a normal state of intercourse. If it was a homosexual type of intercourse from this androgynous to the androgynous or, or to... Yeah. The rule is that Intimacy of one male with another never disqualifies one from engaging in truma because it's not considered for this purpose a true intimacy. 
Interesting law coming up, 17. What if there's a servant belonging to partners? Two partners. One of them is a Kohen and the other is not. Can you say, well, this is the servant of a Kohen, at least part of him, let him eat Truma. No, he can't cause his servant to eat Truma because there's another owner that's not a Kohen. Also, the servant may, is forbidden to eat. The rule across the board is that anyone, such as the owner of the servant, such as the husband, who enables someone else to eat truma because of their relationship, will always enable that other person to eat the parts of the sacrifice, such as the breast and thigh, which the Kohen could bring home for his family as well. Now, we learned this in great detail earlier, that there are two types of items, two types of possession that a woman can bring into the marriage. These possessions, these two categories are called either nichse milug, possessions of milug, or nichse tzon barzel, or possessions of tzon barzel. We learned these definitions extensively, and here we want to see how this applies to truma. Bas Yisrael, a nice Jewish girl, the daughter of an Israelite, Shenisis Lekohen, who married a Kohen, and she brought along into this marriage her own possessions, Bein Abde Milug, whether they were, in this case, the possessions were servants. In the case of Milug, which means that her husband has the right to benefit from all of the benefits of these servants, Bein Abde Tzain Barzel, or Tzain Barzel is, he takes responsibility totally, for them, they now may eat in any event because the husband has to feed them and the husband is connected to them. So they have become an extension to the husband who's a Kayan. So also the, slave, the servants of a Kohen who purchase servants, or the servants of the Kohen's wife who purchase servants, they could eat as well, because they are the servants of the servants of a Kohen or of the Kohen's wife. If a soul will acquire, and acquire something he acquires with money, even if the, that which is acquired acquires. Any acquisition which eats truma may cause others to eat truma. Any acquisition which may not eat truma cannot cause others to eat truma. You test 19 Bas and Shinisis Israel, the daughter of a Kohen, married to an Israelite. This is a daughter of a Kohen married to an Israelite. The Echnisa and she brought into the marriage Bein Abde Melug, Bein Abde Tzim Basel, these two kinds of servants, Melug and Tzim Basel, Hadeelo Here it's vice versa. Here it's just the opposite. Because she is the daughter of the Kohen. She brings this into the marriage. It now has a connection to her non Kohen husband, and they can no longer eat Ruma. What if a widow marries the high priest, which is forbidden by Torah law? It's a love, it's a transgression. Actually, it's a, a positive commandment for a high priest to marry only a virgin. So a widow to a high priest, we learned earlier, is a violation of a positive commandment. Grusha, v'chalutza, divorced. Or a woman who went through a Leverite ritual. 
L'kayin hedyut to a regular hedyut, which is forbidden to a regular Kohen, forbidden by Torah law, that's a lav. So these are forbidden marriages. Bein kehenes, whether she is the daughter of a Kohen, Bein Yisraelis, or she is the daughter of an Israelite, v'chein shar lavin, or all other marriages which would be reflected as a violation of a negative commandment. I want to just, as I like to say, push the pause button for a second and explain that in Jewish law, and we've talked about this many times, talked about it in Chumash, we talked about it earlier in Rambam, in marriage, there are two types of forbidden marriages. One is a forbidden marriage that can never be a marriage, such as a brother marrying a sister. What if a brother realizes he married a sister? Does he have to go to the court? Does he have to go to the rabbis and get divorced? Of course not. A marriage requires a divorce. A brother and sister cannot marry. A Jew and a non-Jew cannot marry. It's not a marriage by Torah law. Therefore, if they realize one day that they did marry... They can walk away by Torah law. I'm not talking about California law. These are marriages which cannot take hold. Ein chidushin teifsin. As my teacher in the yeshiva in Brunois, outside of Paris said, when he tried to explain that a brother can't marry a sister, I said, what do you mean he can't marry a sister? He married her. He says, it's like a man marries a doorknob. You can't marry a doorknob. And if he says, I married my doorknob, do I need a divorce? So that's a relationship which cannot happen. You can't marry your doorknob. Then there are other forbidden relationships in the Torah. Such as a high priest marrying a divorcee. Such as even a regular priest marrying... I'm sorry, a high priest marrying a widow such as even a regular priest marrying a divorcee, these are relationships which the Torah says don't do. But if you did it, the marriage happened. It's a forbidden marriage, but it's a marriage. How could it end? Only in divorce. So here, this is the situation of the widow who married the high priest, the grusha or chalutza, the divorced or leverite woman, who married a regular Kohen, whether she was a daughter of a Kohen or not, or any other prohibited relationships where the Torah says the marriage is a marriage, but it's a forbidden marriage. And she brought along with her her servants from outside the marriage of these two categories. The Meluk servants should not eat. Even though he's obligated to feed them. And he can benefit from them. But the Tzayn Basel, the second category, should eat. They may eat. Because they actually represent being owned by the husband because he takes full responsibility. If she marries again. I'm sorry. If, if he marries a secondary rabbinic prohibition. Rather than a Torah prohibition, he echeles, she may eat. But her Malay servants may not eat. And again, for greater detail in Malay and St. Basel, we've covered this extensively earlier in the laws of marriage. 
the daughter of a Kohen who is widowed, she now becomes betrothed to the Kohen Godel, which is not a good, a good thing because a Kohen Godel may not marry her. The high priest, a or divorced woman, the Kohen Hedjit, being that they are awaiting forbidden intimacy by Torah law, they may not eat. And so also if they entered into a state of chuppah, Without a betrothal, the tradition is first betrothal, then chuppah. If the chuppah came without the betrothal, ain't because chuppah without betrothal causes them to become unfit. What if they become widowed or divorced? From a state of betrothal, being that it was only from a state of betrothal, they go back to their kosher status and they may eat. But from marriage, because they became what we call chalalim, unfit kohanim, 22 kehenes shemezbai lakohen, a daughter of a kohen, whose husband the kohen died, and now she has to enter into one of the levirate relationships with one of her husband's brothers, or go through the ritual of chalitza. But there is a profaned Kohen amongst them. So she now has a potential relationship with a profane Kohen. That potential relationship is technically he can marry her. He shouldn't, but technically he can. She may not eat just because of this relationship to the unfit Kohen. Not that she's going to marry him. Even if one of the kosher brothers-in-law made a declaration of marriage to her, which is a rabbinic form of marriage from the brother-in-law to the Leverite woman. This is only rabbinic. As we've said earlier, in great detail in the laws of the Leverite marriage, this does not actually acquire this woman in marriage. It's only a rabbinic statement. And finally, Chav Gimel 23, a Kohen who gives a divorce to his Leverite potential wife, a Kohenes, which is a rabbinic application, she's forbidden to him, but there is still a biblical relationship. Because she's waiting for an unfit Relationship rabbinically, because a get to a yavama is only a rabbinic application. A kehenes who goes through the Leverite marriage, a shnia or a secondary prohibition by rabbinic law, betrothed to a kohen, which are all forbidden. A chelish she can eat. Kohen a regular kohen who married a woman who is an islandess. An islandess is a woman who has undeveloped uh, reproduction characteristics, undeveloped uh, female characteristics. She may eat Ruma, end of chapter 7.